0: Hi, I'm Piper. And I'm Erin.
1: Welcome to Off the Tracks podcast where we explore what it means to do law differently. Welcome back. It's been a minute. Hi, everyone. We've missed you. Thank you for tuning in to season three. Oh my gosh, season three, episode one of Off the Tracks. Um, it's January 2023 right now, and we haven't released a new episode since June of 2022. And a lot has happened between June and now.
0: Yeah. Life has come at us hard and fast and we've had a lot uh, going on. So we took a little bit of a hiatus, but we are so excited to be here in January, 2023. We think it's going to be a great year, but Piper, what's been going on with you? What's your life update since June, 2022?
1: Oh my goodness. So I would like to take full responsibility for the postponement. Oh goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because in um, the fall, I finally and truly took my career off the tracks. And I retired my license to practice law, which was a huge milestone for me. Um, And I started a new job at a Canadian university working in their career services department. So I now live, I moved from Winnipeg, Manitoba, and I now live in Calgary, Alberta. Um, I had never been to Calgary and I didn't know a single person here before I moved. To So to say it's been an adjustment would be a really big understatement. And so I'm so grateful for the grace that Aaron and everyone in my life has given me while I've made this transition, but we are just so excited to be back. And so I've started a new job in a new city and Aaron also has a lot to celebrate. So Aaron, can you fill us in on what's been going on in your life?
0: Yeah. So since June, I celebrated two years in business, which was super exciting. And then in the fall, October 2nd, 2022, I got engaged to my law school sweetheart. Um, (laughs) um, It's been a pretty exciting couple months. Um, As Piper knows from the constant text messages, um, planned that wedding real quick, real fast. So um, we're getting married this summer, July 2023. Super quick, super excited. Um, but honestly, I planned it so fast now. I'm just waiting. <laughs> I'm just I, excited.
1: I am so excited for Aaron's wedding. Um, I and I can confidently say that because I gotta save the date and invitation. So like I'm not just assuming at this point. Um, but like I've seen pictures from like when they've gotten food tasting and all the things. And I mean, it looks fantastic. So if any wedding crashers want to know where it is, just send me a message. Um, but more seriously, if any- Wants to tell me where to buy a dress for this wedding let me know because um you know I feel like I'm about to enter like the always going to weddings and like all of these fun celebrations and I don't know where to shop for these things so I know this is not a fashion podcast but nor do we ever intend on making it one but Aaron's gonna look phenomenal all the time but especially on that day because guys the dress get ready we're gonna have like an off the tracks carousel. Wedding post. Yeah. Wedding edition, off the tracks, wedding edition. Somehow we will make it relevant to the legal profession. Um, but yeah, I'm just so excited for her and, um, Erin and Aaron, her, her law school sweetheart are just the sweetest match in the world. So yeah. Um, and then Aaron last year in 2022 turned me onto this thing where you do a word of the year, which honestly is such a simple but cool um, concept. So Erin, can you tell us a bit more about this concept and what you've chosen as your word for the year for 2023?
0: Yeah. So I love to pick a word at the beginning of the year, just something that I want to focus on and something that you can kind of come back to and check in on throughout the year and kind of helps you build your goals. I'm not a huge like resolutions gal, like I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Cause I find I try to make way too many for myself and I fall off, but picking a word is something much simpler and easier. And I usually do it when I'm doing like a vision board, um, so that I can look at it every day and, um, you know, think of how I want to feel. And so, Yeah, I picked one for 2022. It was serene. And I loved that because it just, you know, when life got really hectic, I, it kind of gave me permission to slow down and just like chill. And Piper, you had a word for last year too. Yeah, my word for last year was abundance.
1: And I would say that I tried really hard to live an abundant life from approximately January to August. And then when I accepted this new job in Calgary, and as I like to call it, blew my life up, but in a lot of the best ways, um, I would say I kind of forgot about the word of the year. Um, but two thirds of the year ain't bad.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think you definitely lived an abundant life. <laughs> <laughs> um, And so, yeah, so. For this year, um, considering there's a lot of exciting things happening, I'm trying to find joy in everything. So joy is my word of 2023. I just want to soak up everything. And I mean, hopefully this is a once in a lifetime experience. <laughs> so I'm hoping to just... uh take the joy in every little moment like even something as simple as picking out um like how the place cards are going to go on the table like find the joy in those things because it can get really overwhelming if you want to but you can also find joy and all the little moments leading up to it so yeah joy is my word for 2023 what about you piper Joy is such a perfect word for your year,
1: Erin. And I'm just so excited for all the joy that I'm gonna to get to watch you experience. And it's I it's just gonna be such a good year. Um, my word for 2023 is nourish. And when I told my therapist that, she called me on my bullshit and said, Piper, what does nourish actually mean in practice? And so we talked about it. And I'm really trying to think of all of the ways to like nourish myself like daily and long term. So, like, how am I gonna nourish myself like at work and in my coaching business, and through the podcast, how am I going to like find balance? And like, what are the processes I'm going to put in place and the systems I'm going to put in place to like help me become like a better me in all ways? And I know that sounds like so loosey goosey and like fa la la. Um, but I think like this move to Calgary and like a total shift in my life um, professionally and personally has made me really be like, okay, really evaluate everything going on in my life. And I think that like nourishing myself and like finding what feels good and like helps me do better for others and like do better for myself is what I'm, what I'm really going for with this word of the year.
0: I love it. I love the word nourish. I think it's so great and can be applied to so many different paths of your life as you said, and I think you're off to a great start because Piper just said that she just chopped up a bunch of vegetables for the week. So I think you're on like on a very like literal level, you are on track to nourishing literally your body. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you Well, on your way. Thank you. So
1: thank you for sticking with us through this little life update and through our hiatus. We are so excited to dive into this first episode with Stephanie Mitchell. The conversation was just so exciting and enriching and the episode is coming out today. You're listening to it now and tomorrow I actually get to have lunch with Stephanie in person. And so I'm so excited to have this like full circle moment of recording the podcast with her and then getting to hang out. So we hope that you really enjoy the episode and all of season three. We can't wait to show you what we have in store.
0: Today, we are joined by Stephanie Mitchell. Stephanie is a keynote speaker who focuses on clear communication and believes in the power of words to both connect us and pull us apart. She has a journalism degree and a law degree. Stephanie has extensive experience working with lawyers, judges, engineers, and other professionals. She believes that everyone has their own unique voice and should sound like themselves. Stephanie has lived all over the country, including Vancouver Island, Kelowna, Halifax, Victoria, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Montreal. She currently resides in Courtenay, British Columbia, and is in a deep state of limbo while her husband looks for a new job. They will likely end up in Vancouver or Toronto next, and we are so excited to be joined by her today.
1: Stephanie, we are so excited to have you here today. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. We always love to kick off our interviews, learning how your career has evolved over time. So we would be so grateful if you would fill us in on the multiple variations that your career has taken.
2: Absolutely. I always like to say I'm on my third career or fourth career. And then I often find I'm making other friends who are always on at least their third career as well and i've actually kind of lost track for numbers but i will tell you i did a journalism degree out in halifax and then i did a law degree at the university of victoria and partly i went and did that law degree because i thought well i like tests the lsat could be fun it'll be a bit more academic than journalism um i tried to talk to people like do you think i'd make a good lawyer but i didn't really know any lawyers at the time to actually find out what lawyers did every day. I just thought law school sounded like fun, which I think is pretty typical in your early 20s too. You're kind of looking for just the next step, maybe not thinking long-term. So I went to law school, found it really hard. It definitely was more academic, uh, but I did end up really enjoying it and making a lot of good friends. And I was out at the University of Victoria, but I also started talking to lawyers, that journalism side of me kept coming out And I would ask the lawyers whenever I met them, you know, so what is it that you do all day? What does your day-to-day work life look like? And I realized it was much more um, introverted and much more time spent alone researching. And none of that really appealed to me. I still I had the picture in my head from Ally McBeal, which which about gives you my age, um, mid 40s, which is, you know, Ally her like cute little suits with a musical soundtrack, really helping people and fighting injustice all day. And lawyers still absolutely do that. I know that they help people, they fight injustice. But there's also all that other hard work that goes into it and backs that up. And that other part of the work just didn't interest me enough to want to pursue it more. So I finished my law degree. Then I worked for CBC Radio as a journalist, a reporter in Vancouver. And then I kind of bounced around. I worked in government communications for Health Canada. I worked again at CBC Radio in Victoria and Edmonton. And I also worked in the Law Careers Office at the University of Victoria as a careers advisor. And throughout it all, I kept finding that what I really cared about was the words people were using and how they were representing themselves. So in the careers office, I kept coming back to the students and saying, well, here's your cover letter, but are you actually, you know, giving your story, sharing who you are, sharing some concrete examples of what you've done, what you could do that will bring yourself to life through the words that you're using. And even in journalism, in the newsroom, I cared about having a good story to get out there, um, but I didn't really care about breaking that story and being the first on the ground. What I cared about more was, okay, so how are we going to tell it to our audience? We need time to figure that out and do that the most effective way. As opposed to most journalists just want to get the story out. I mean, they care about the words, but they also just want to get it out and be the first breaking the news. But I I was always that second, like, well, but let's, let's take some time. Let's think about how to do it, do it exactly right. Um so that's kind of some background. And then I came up with this idea for my business in 2015. I remember I was on an extended vacation, which was amazing. Um, my husband and I were in Europe, and we were at this great little hotel in Vienna. We were sitting outside having breakfast one morning. And all of a sudden I looked at my husband and I said, "What if I could just talk about words for a living? And there was this pause and he smiled and he thought it's like yeah good idea and then we started talking about it more and then i i started building my business for what i do now i just want to say even when i look back on it now i think it was essential that i was out of my regular context out of my regular job and city and country even and that i had that space to think of something new and i'm i'm really thankful that i that i was able to do that
0: yeah, I think that it does really help to sort of get yourself out of your normal day-to-day grind, out of the routine and out of the, you know, the daily to-do tasks and the the familiar spaces and, and giving yourself that time and space. So we now know sort of how that idea came to be that this is what you wanted to do was to, to have a business revolving around words and, and how we tell our stories. So how did that grow into facilitating writing workshops for professionals? And what have you learned in growing your own business?
2: Mm, that's, a, that's a big question and a good one. How to start. I was listening um, to your birthday episode and I think Piper, you said one of the things you've figured out is that no one knows what they're doing. And I, I would say absolutely, like starting a business is just a leap of faith. You have an idea, you have a good idea and you build on it. I think kind of one step at a time, but you're not sure. It's almost like a tree, like you don't know which way the branch, the limb will go out or then you might stop that one and head back in towards the trunk and have the limb go out maybe a different way. So that's what I found with my business well. as well. Uh, it's funny because I had worked for a few different law schools when I started the business, but I hadn't thought that lawyers could be my main clients. I just thought, well, any professional needs help with their writing. But then I started, well, I talked to a wise friend um, in Saskatchewan and she said, Stephanie, what about all these lawyers you're connected to? And I was like, oh yeah, lawyers. And so then I started reaching out to lawyers (laughs) who I love as a client group because, well, I often, I understand how they think quite a bit, having gone through law school, having many friends who are lawyers. And then what I I really like is that lawyers are writing at a really high level already. So I get to help them with that polishing part. And that's where I get a lot of joy from people who are already very competent at what they do and just bringing people to that next level, as opposed to teaching the very, very basics. Um, So that was helpful. And then, of course, like lawyers need professional development credits, (laughs) which I can help with. And this is like, as you know, a set part of what they do. So that's worked out really well. So it kind of developed in that direction. And now I'm I'm bringing in other client groups as well, like engineers and some other professionals. Though the lawyers have been so good to me, I haven't had to go too far. But also, I would say I've really taken time throughout my business to really think about what I want to do. I remember early on, I was meeting with a professional development director at a law firm, and, and he said, Oh, we really need to teach our lawyers how to write affidavits. Could you develop a workshop to write affidavits? And I thought to myself, I don't actually remember what an affidavit is. I'll have to look that up. And I did, of course. I was like, oh, yeah, of course, I know that. But then I, I looked into it, and it was it's so detailed. It could be different for every province. And I thought, no, that doesn't interest me at all. And that was a really helpful realization that I want to work and follow the paths that really interest me in my business and sometimes people will ask me to do things because they think it might be a good fit and sometimes it will sometimes I'll be really excited and say yeah that makes sense let's do this and I'll learn about this we'll do it but other times I just get this feeling in my gut like you know like the the bad parts of work that you just have to push yourself to do and when I have my own business it's all it's already a, a lot of work. You know, it, it's not just straight joy all the time because it is still work. But I want to generally have work that really inspires me. So that helped me that first experience has helped me for future experiences to figure out what does give me joy. what what path do I really want to follow for my business now,
1: Stephanie, that's so interesting. And when you talk about what path you want to follow, something that, we were curious about um, is when you finished law school, you chose a different path because if I'm not mistaken, and please feel free to correct me, but did you complete
2: your articling or call to the bar? I did not. No, I knew by the time I finished, I wanted to finish the degree so I would have it, but I did not article because I, I knew I didn't want to practice.
1: And, and how did you make that choice? Because I know I've met other people who have felt the same way. And that type of decision takes so much self-awareness and, and knowing yourself really well. And how did you confidently make that decision? Because I feel like there's two sort of mindsets of, okay, I want to finish the degree, which you, which you did and you, you, um, you, you know, committed to doing, and then some other people think, you know, I didn't finish this degree to not, to not get called to the bar. And so how did you make the decision to, to finish your journey with your law school education at that point in the formal sense, um, at that point in time?
2: Mm -hmm. I would say, I mean, I did a lot of information interviews as well where I talked to people who were in alternative legal careers and I also talked to um, CBC broadcast journalists as well. I had studied journalism before but only dabbled a little bit at CBC but I you know I, I remember I talked to a foreign correspondent who was very kind to give me her time over the phone and as I just talked to everyone I gathered in the information and thought what what really will work for me long term. I think Probably I was growing up a little bit more by then too. I finished law school when I was 27. So starting to get more of a sense of my future. And I just didn't love the law enough to work those long hours and and pour myself into it in that way. It was scary though, because everyone else was going off to article with a much clearer path. And I would have enjoyed that as well, Um, but I just knew it wasn't right for me.
1: And so Stephanie, if someone was listening right now and going through the same fears or partway through law school and thinking, I don't think this is for me. Do you have any advice or sage words of wisdom
2: that you would share with them? Mm -hmm. I would say, talk to lawyers, talk to actual lawyers who are practicing and take them out for coffee. Or if that doesn't work, you know, see if they can do a zoom meeting, And ask them more about what they do every day, what they like, what they find hard, what a really typical day looks like. So you can find out more if that could work for you. Also, I would say if you can get any practical experience, one thing I wish I had done is UVic has a great uh, poverty clinic. And I wish I had taken part in that for a term just to try it, at least. I'm still really confident in my decision, especially talking to lawyers now (laughs) that I made the right one not to practice. But I do wish I had tried that practical part of it. So I think, you know, take the opportunities that are there in law school to try it. And then sometimes law school isn't right for you. And it depends on the school you go to, too. And you might be making or accruing a giant student debt. So then maybe you don't have the luxury of finishing your degree if you're halfway through and you know you really don't want to carry on with this. But I guess if you can, it's so hard because, you know, you're, you're borrowing money, you're trying to figure out your future, but try to take some time to talk to people and think it over and and um, find out more before you make any big decisions.
0: Yeah, I think that is so important to take the time to sort of not only take an internal checklist of where you think you are at, but also making sure that you speak with other individuals in the field because the way that law is spoken about and discussed in law school is so different from how it's practiced and what people's daily lives are like. And um, it's just so important to speak to different individuals and see what their days are like. So I really like that advice and definitely... We have spoken about debt on the podcast a bunch, (laughs) but, um, also a huge consideration when, you know, taking stock of these big decisions, but it is so cool to hear that you were able to, you know, feel confident in that decision and make a whole new, a career for yourself while still sort of touching on aspects of law school and still staying connected to, to, um some things that you learned in law school. So it's really
2: cool to hear. I, I also want to say, I think, remember, you don't have to have your whole life figured out at once. You don't have to know everything. Because I remember for years after law school, when I was working in journalism and communications, I was like, why did I do a law degree? Why am I still paying off my student loans? What is the point of this? And I, I wondered if I made a bad decision to finish law school. But later on, everything comes together. And now, for my work, my law degree is really useful, really helpful for what I'm doing. So it, it all makes sense. But I didn't get that perspective for years, and I, and I, even if I didn't know now that my law degree was so useful, I still just really believe that whatever we're doing at the time helps build who we are as people, you know, professionally and personally. So no experience is wasted. Um, trust that you're doing the right thing. You're going to learn something from it, and, and you will build on it later on, I'd like to say, too, if anyone's really wondering and, and worried about that. Yeah,
0: I think Piper and I were talking about this the other week as well in the fact that sometimes like decisions like this feel like it is the biggest decision you will ever make in your entire life. And we were just reflecting back on how many times we have felt like a singular decision was going to be the make or break point of our entire lives. (laughs) Like going back to when you're like 17 and you're trying to decide where to go for university or if you should do a college program or take a gap year or whatever it is that you want to do at that time, it feels like it is going to set your life off on a like uncontrollable path if you make the wrong decision. (laughs) But you always have the opportunity to make a new decision. And I think that that's really heartwarming in your story. And I think that's such a beautiful thread throughout your career is that you've just been able to make new decisions that make sense without, I don't know if you felt like it was the most important decision at the time, but it just, you know, kind of taking the pressure off that every decision isn't going to like make or break your life and that you can sort of weave it all together Um and sort of takes the pressure off, but it's mm-hmm. so comforting to see sort of how your career. I mean, now looking back, it, it all looks um, coherent and makes sense. Mm-hmm. But probably at the time, it was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to do this next, and it's kind of harder to see the thread when you're in the the thick of it or in the midst of the weeds. I don't know if that's the saying. I am terrible. Piper knows I am terrible at saying, so I'm not a wordsmith like you, because I will mix up. (laughs) I will say terrible. You sound very clear to me. (laughs) I always mix up like if there's like nail the head of the hammer. No, see, like (laughs) hammer the nail on the head, whatever the word is. You know, I'm terrible at those sorts of things, but I think there's something about being in the weeds. So that's what I was trying to say anyway. I think so. (laughs) so I saw those weeds when you mentioned thank you thank you so kind of looking back at everything what has been one of the most significant setbacks you've faced in your career and what did you learn from it
2: Hmm. I had just started working at a university on a contract I was really excited about the position it seemed like it would use both my law degree and my journalism degree And I was really excited to work with the woman who would be my supervisor. She was about 20 years older than me. She seemed really wise and with it and full of life. And I thought, I wonder if she could be a mentor and I could become like her one day. So, so excited. And then I went to start the job and pretty much right away, the first day I started the job, she said a couple of things that weren't quite right. and. My gut was like, whoa, what's happening here? And I realized, oh, she's a she's actually a bully and she's insecure. And so I saw maybe she's stressed, you know, maybe it's just a one day thing, but it wasn't. And so I quickly realized I couldn't stay in that position. And I felt kind of dumb about it because I was the one who had accepted this job and left another job <laughs> to go work there. But you know I couldn't have known um because clearly she presented really well <laughs> to everyone else but I knew for me and my mental health it wouldn't work for me to work with her. But that's actually shortly after that my husband and I went on this trip we'd planned before we even started before I started that job. And that's when I had the idea for my business because it made me really think what do I want to do next? Do I want to work in journalism? Do I want to work in a university? Where do I want to go? And so even that, you know, I I think bad experiences are bad experiences, we can learn from them. That doesn't make them better. Sometimes we just have to call things out. It's not good. <laughs> but I am glad now that I, I was able to step back and really think about what I wanted to do next and, and move away from that and into something that I really love.
1: No, thank you so much for sharing that, Stephanie. I think sometimes, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And, um, I think that that's really important that sometimes you have to take a leap of faith and it's not like, there's no sugarcoating it. It's not always going to work out. I mean, we (laughs) hope that the leap of faith that we take does work out beautifully, wonderfully, everything falls into place. But the fact of the matter is sometimes getting from point A to point Z in life means making a few stops in the middle that just don't end up going the way that you had planned. So, When those types of things happen in your life, Stephanie, and in your daily life, how do you take care of your mental health, um, especially when running your own business and in your current state of deep limbo?
2: Yes. Um, Many, many different ways. Um, I'm religious, so I make time to pray and uh, meditate every day. And I find that very helpful because I can think about something bigger than me and my little circumstances right now. Um, other ways too, when it's stressful, one thing I've found is just stopping and thinking about all the things I'm thankful for is really helpful as well. I find that's a really good antidote for when life feels overwhelming or like, it's just too much. If I can just stop and think, but there's this and this and this, you know, whatever my stress is, is still real, but it helps put it in perspective for me. Another thing is, I have very strict work-life boundaries. So I generally, right now I'm on the West Coast. A lot of my clients are in Toronto. So I usually work seven to three every day um, so that I'm a bit more on their schedule. And when I'm done work, I'm done. Like I don't check my email. I'm not, I'm not even Tempted to, I think I'm a naturally a boundary person, so it makes it a bit easier for me than maybe some others. But I'm just like, no, I've I've finished for the day. I have everything blocked out on my calendar so that I can see that I've done it. And of course, I don't always finish everything, and I'm moving things to other days. But still, I'm like, no, I can see that I did that work. And I kind of review my work at the end of the day to see what I accomplished that day, and and take a look at tomorrow, so I have a sense of what's coming. And then that sort of puts my brain at rest as well, that I don't need to think about it when I'm done work later on. Uh, The other thing I would think too, that's hard is to try not to compare myself to others as well. I use LinkedIn as one of my main kind of marketing tools to get myself out there, but I'm also very aware of how, you know, everything you see on LinkedIn looks like the perfect career progression that we've been talking about how no one really has. (laughs) but it all looks like that on LinkedIn, any social media, right? It looks like the perfect life progression. It's very glossy. Here's my latest success. Isn't this great? Which I do think it's important and good to share, but I'm careful about not checking it too much or comparing myself with say other consultants out there. Cause I don't know what else they're going through and I wish them all the best too. There's lots of space for all of us to succeed, but I don't need to, I, I try to, just really follow what I feel like I should be doing, what I think could help my clients or be interesting to groups I'm going to speak to, that I really have some spark of of inspiration and joy to talk about and something real to share. And so that means I never need to be compared directly with anybody else. And that, that gives me a lot of freedom in my life and in how I think about things, I would say. Stephanie, that's so poignant. One of my favorite
1: taglines, phrases. I read it in an ESPN article in 2015. Was these are the highlights, not the whole story. And I think that that is so crucial um, to remember when going online, um, when networking. um, Sometimes people only show you know the glossiest, shiniest, best version. And I know that. Here on the podcast and in general, Aaron and I both work really hard to kind of break down that illusion. Um, that's something I feel really passionately about and something that I personally try to show up sometimes as like my, not a favorite version of myself online, because I think it's really important to, to show people that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really appreciate you commenting on that because I know what it's like to go on LinkedIn and only see, the best of the best, the highlights of the highlights, um, but that's just not the case. People are full people outside of their LinkedIn or otherwise profiles, um, so I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um, so Stephanie, we were wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your favorite and proudest moment of your career thus far.
2: That was good. You had let me know ahead of time about this because I was like, oh okay, I'm glad I had time to think about this. But um, I thought back, and I remember I was speaking to a group of judges in Newfoundland, in St. John's, in the fall of 2018. It was my first time there. I loved it. And I was really happy to talk to this group of judges. I love judges because they have so many opinions, but they're very engaged. They're really willing to talk with you and talk back, which is great. Um, And it was nice because I had the day with them. I had a lunch with them and then I gave my session and then I think there was some coffee break after and we were all standing around talking. I remember one judge from Newfoundland came up to me and she said, you know, Stephanie, I had heard that this would be a, a presentation we would really remember that would change how we write. And it really was. And I was just like, really? It was it, it. just felt so good. Because as a speaker, when you put something out there, you can see people's eyes light up, you can see them nodding along. But you don't always know if it's going to change something. And I think that's probably what I want to do most is encourage people to change to make themselves clearer in their writing and their speaking. So just to hear that in person, I was like, i just felt really humbled because you know thinking I, I am making an impact here and and that was really exciting as well.
0: Yeah and I think it's also really important to note like how that impact trickles down because if we have more judges and more people in positions of power that are able to write concisely and to give decisions in a way that makes sense in a way that people not just lawyers that are educated in this manner, but anyone that can take a decision and read it and understand what is happening, I think that just means so much because there have been so many times where I have been with a client and the judge gives their decision or the board member gives their decision. And then they ask me, okay, so what does that mean? (laughs) You know, it is, it's so heartbreaking. You're like, well, we just sat through the decision. We both heard what, what the judge or the board member said, But they say it in such a way that is hard for the person who it is literally affecting Mm -hmm. to understand what is going on and what is going to happen next. So I just want to take a moment just to say that, you know, that impacting a judge, impacting a a member that has a position of power really does trickle down and, and helps change the landscape of law. And I think that that sort of goes into our next question, which is. How do you think communication needs to change and evolve in our legal profession?
2: I think the most important thing is if everybody could just slow down. I work with a lot of young lawyers and mid, mid-level lawyers as well on their writing individually. And I, I keep seeing, you know, they tell me they're, they have so much on their plates and they do. Lawyers are very busy. I respect that. But if they could slow down and really think about who they're writing to, you know, think about their audience. This again, for the judges as well, who's the ultimate audience? It's the person affected, right? And it's other people who want to know how this might change the law. Um, So if, if lawyers could slow down, think about their audience, think about what they actually want to say and take the time to summarize it instead of just starting to type so you get something down. And it's all just like coming out, but it's not organized. If everyone could slow down, take that time in the beginning to think through what they want to say, think about who they're talking to and organize the information, then it it actually saves time in the long run, which is, is the key selling feature here. But it makes everything so much stronger as well, so much clearer and, and more persuasive. And so I think yeah, that, that slowing down would be incredibly helpful and thinking about your audience, thinking about who you're trying to connect with with your words.
0: Yeah, and sort of building on that question, what is your advice for people who have a story they want to tell and don't know how to share it? We read your blog post about telling your story instead of just reciting it. And we'll link that in the show notes. But we'd love to hear a bit more about what that means. Um telling your story instead of reciting it?
2: Mm -hmm. A few things. First, it means being fully present, trying to connect with that other person. Uh, I'll give you a a story to illustrate that. When I was reading the news uh, at CBC in the morning, I remember I'd read the same news stories over the course of the morning, sometimes a few times. So after a while, I could almost recite them well, if I wanted to thinking about what I might buy for groceries later on or what snack I might have later, and then I realized this just won't work at all if I want to reach people. I have to still, as I'm reading this, I need to be picturing what I'm talking about, because if I'm not picturing um government raising taxes or a problem with the landfill if I'm not picturing that as the news reader there's no way that my listener can picture that in their heads there's no way I can reach them with it so that that was a really key part for me to realize when I'm telling any kind of story so I think as well for your own story if you can be focused on how are you going to reach that other person so you might choose different words to reach different people depending on who your audience is and when you're thinking about telling your story I guess again it comes back to the other person so what would they be interested in in your in this story you're trying to share as well what might be some context that maybe they really need or some context they don't need that's just extra details that that would just throw them off where you're trying to go with your story also when you can use examples from real life I think that's really helpful because as humans you know we're hardwired for stories they help us right away we can identify with whoever that person is probably you telling the story with with what's happening as opposed to just information being kind of set out straight up so making it real with concrete examples painting a picture as well, in your reader's head. Uh, when I tell my story of thinking about my business idea, it for me, it was really important that I was sitting outside and it was breakfast time at my hotel in Vienna. And that's how I remember it. And I think that also helps you paint a picture in your head. So then you get ready for, for then my idea that comes out of it. Um, even though I didn't think about that consciously, I just thought about that now, how I naturally use that. So that's a way... Don't be, I think too, when you're telling your story, don't be afraid to share details that make you real and make you human. I don't think it has to be exactly, again, we'll come back to this, you know, the, the glossy, perfect version as well. Um, What else can I say? I guess too, and this is something I recommend for writing in general, always know what your key messages or what, what you really want to get out there and try to summarize it for yourself in one sentence as well. So if you you can think about that, then that'll help keep you on track for your story too. You know are you um, is this going where you mean for it to go? or are you getting lost down a rabbit trail as well? So that can be helpful. Ah, the other thing I want to say about telling your story is, remember that people are interested and they're rooting for you generally. People are not coming in wanting you to fail. They actually want you to succeed and they're interested in what you have to say. So believe that. I guess believe the best in each other. This is a maxim for marriage. I use a lot as well. Assume the best about each other. Um, I think that's good too. Remember that we naturally want to form a community with each other. We want to cheer each other on. So you can can relax a little bit and, and not be too scared.
1: I couldn't agree more. I think that like lifting others up and cheering others on is such an important part of any profession, but especially the legal profession. Um, And I really appreciate you sharing those tips with us. So Stephanie, it's very clear that you have really, you know, cogent communication nailed down in your business and in your life. And we are wondering what new projects you're working on to deliver to people, uh, professionals that you work with.
2: Thank you. Yes, I'm really excited. For the past year, I've been researching a new keynote talk. It's called The Strength of Silence. And I've started to get interested in it because I keep coming back to focus and concentration. Also realizing we live in this really loud world with pings and And even podcasts in our ears sometimes, Um, not that podcasts are bad. They can be super good as well, like yours and important and helpful. Um, But, you know, phones, pings, these noises everywhere competing for our attention all the time. And I thought, what if we could bring more silence back into our communication to how we might think something through before we say it out loud and also in our communication with others, to leave space for silence, to not feel like we have to fill everything with with extra words or sound or noise, which I think many parts of social media are telling us we need to fill with constant information coming at us all the time. There's no time to reflect then. And there's not always time to hear what another person might say if it takes them a little while to think about it. So I want to talk about that. And also I dig back into history and I'm peeling away some of the layers of silence and how we've used it over the years as well. See if we can learn from that. So I'm I'm really excited about that talk.
0: I am so excited about this idea because I find it really hard to be in silence sometimes.
2: <laughs> you know,
0: sometimes even this morning I was making myself some delicious banana peanut butter toast and I had TikTok going on in the background while I'm making the toast. And and then you know you're you're cutting the bananas and you're far away from your phone. So the same reel is going for like two minutes and instead you could have just been you know sitting there in silence and just being reflective but it's just this like uh impulse I think these days where it's just we've gotten so used to having the pings having something going something in the background Mm -hmm. that sitting in silence sometimes can be kind of uncomfortable but it's definitely something like you said that can be really powerful and that is definitely something I'm want to and aspire to create a (laughs) bit more in my life. So what is something new that you've learned recently? We always love to end the podcast with this question, and we always learn so much from our guests, and we'd love to know what you've learned.
2: Well, I think you mentioned in the introduction about how I'm in deep limbo right now, and this is true. (laughs) While my husband looks for a new job, um actually just this morning he got a note that he has an interview with a swedish company and the job could be in the uk or the us whereas before we were like we think we'll be in canada so it's like the super deep limbo where things keep changing um so what i have learned what i am learning really i have not mastered this what i am learning is to live in the moment right now i have you know professional plans for how i would like to get this new keynote talk out there for how I'd like to move my business forward and I'm learning I can just do this slowly. <laughs> I can see what happens, I can have my ideas and move forward on them and leave space for what else happens for where we might move and how that could change things. And right now, you know, every day I have things to look forward to. I can look forward to swimming, at the local pool. There was no pool in my neighborhood in Montreal before. Uh, There's a pool here. This is great. Uh, I can look forward to this really great bakery we have here and I go get a new loaf of bread. There are all these good things I can still look forward to even while I have all these big questions like, where are we going to live next? How is this going to work out? And just try to keep coming back to living in the moment and being thankful for all the good things I have right now.
1: I love the phrase, you're always right on time for your own life. And I think that that is so true. And so I hope that wherever this deep limbo leads you and your new keynote talk that you are working on, um, I know that it will be brought into the world right on time and wherever you end up moving next, it will be the right next place for the right now in your life. And so I know that Erin and I are both so excited to follow along with your LinkedIn post, the glossy and the non-glossy um to see what comes next. And Stephanie, thank you so much for spending this time with us today and for sharing your stories. We are so grateful to learn from you and we have linked all of the ways to follow along with Stephanie in the episode notes. So thank you so much for being here.
2: Oh, thank you. It was really my pleasure and such a pleasure to meet you both. And thank you so much for putting out this podcast series. I I feel really honored to be one of your guests. You have such great topics and people you talk to and I I love what you're doing, trying to make it real and give real options for this whole spectrum of what we might do with a law degree. So thank you for all your great work.
1: Thanks for joining us for this episode. To stay up to date with the podcast, follow us on Instagram at Off The Tracks Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite listening platform for a brand new episode of Off The Tracks Podcast every Tuesday.